Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. podcast here on the athletic podcast network i'm your host sam jam packard professional sports fan and i am joined as always by the kid the legend the god himself celtics beat reporter from the athletic jay king ladies and gentlemen and after an episode where i declared the vibes to be all right um just gonna say hand up i may have been wrong about that and one and so we have brought in a vibe consultant a Celtics fan extraordinaire, the editor-in-chief of BarstoolSports.com. You know him, the Mick man, Coley Mick, to come in and assess what the hell is going on with this Boston Celtics team. Coley, give me some answers because I'm just confused at this point. Yeah, I like I don't write about the Celtics. I don't have a basketball podcast. And still, when the Celtics are bad, I get texts from people I haven't heard of from in decades that are just like, how do, how are we going to fix this? Like I have some direct line to fix this. Like I, if, if I could have fixed this, it would have happened all like, I'm not just sitting back. Like no one's asked me for any advice. Like there's not, they're broken. They've been broken since October and they haven't even attempted to address it. Well, they tried to add Evan Fournier, and he just went out and sh- missed his first 10 like shots. Like I said, haven't <laughs> attempted to address it at all. Like, it's it's an internal thing. Whoever, and maybe Jay knows, and maybe he can't say it. Uh, you both may know. I might be the only one on the outside here. Whoever was pinning whoever against the wall in the Heat series when Brad was, like, screaming for them to please, <laughs> please stop, that hasn't. That demon has not been exercised in the slightest. I know there are certain, like, I don't even think it's a bad blood thing. Like, I do think all these guys like each other. But whatever happened in that point in time, they didn't figure it out in the Miami series. And I don't think it's been resolved still. I like this theory, but I'm going to alter the theory a little bit. I think the Celtics died when OG Ananobi hit the three against them. In that game, what was that, game four of the Toronto series? I think it was think game so. three. Game three? Yeah, I think that's when they died. They're, if you look at every number since then, like their fourth quarter offense in that Raptor series was atrocious. I think they had enough talent anyway, that, and they had a lead in that series. They were able to hold on. But it wasn't like they played good basketball the rest of that Toronto series. It was just kind of like they survived that one, moved on. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm on board with this theory that – that the Celtics were broken during last year's playoffs and and just haven't fixed themselves yet. Well, it's like they they have shown flashes. Once right. they get down 15, they're one of the best teams in the league. I think like and th- that was something that was like I knew it was happening last night. I tweeted it out as soon as they got down 19. It's like they're going to come back in this game and close it like within three points and then lose. And you can just feel them turn up the defensive 
pressure and then like start attacking the rim and like play decent basketball, but it's not something they've ever started a game with, or it's not something they've done for 48 minutes. I thought it was pretty interesting what Danny Ainge had to say on Toucher and Rich this morning saying like Brad has zero responsibility when players are improvising or playing with a lack of emotion. Brad seemed to harp uh, a lot on like players getting down on themselves. And like, I thought he was subtweeting if what, what's the, what's the word when you subtweet someone in real life? Um, Talking behind their back. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. But he, Brad was doing in front of the media. I think they're talking about Tatum. I don't think Tatum's having a good time at all. Uh, He's clearly uh, frustrated with the refs. He has inherited the war on Tice and is now a war on Tatum. Some absolutely dog shit calls at the end of that Mavericks game. But uh, I think Jared Weiss wrote about it uh, on his article. He had some pretty bad offensive possessions in the second quarter. Uh, I'm going to put this out there for all the angry Celtics fans who are like, you're, you're running Tatum out of town. You're criticizing Tatum. Tatum is the cornerstone of the team. He is the future of the franchise. But I don't think he has been particularly good in uh I think he has a tendency to kind of get very frustrated. And if he's the best player on your team, I think that's not surprising that the kind of the team takes on that personality. I think I've been the only person in Boston who's like ever said a neg. I was at least first. I'm sure it's happened more recently to say a single negative thing like near Jason Tatum. And I've never like I love Jason Tatum. People uh, skew it as like, oh, you you favor Jalen over him. It's really not that like Tatum's not perfect. And I'm okay with that. He's really, really good at sports, but like the fact that just now people are starting to apply any sort of pressure to him and you people equate that to trying to run him out of town. Like if he can't take legitimate criticisms, like that's on him. Like he's got to grow. Like he's still super, he's 14 and a half years old. Like he's still got some growing (laughs) up to do some maturing to do, but like, yeah, I don't, think he gets this pass just because he's like mostly really good like he's got some glaring flaws to his game has since duke he's ironed out a lot of them but yeah he's for sure not perfect and i think i think it's also like first of all i'll point out that over the last 15 games when things have kind of gone to shit the celtics are plus three points per 100 possessions with tatum on the court minus seven per 100 possessions without him like this is not just a jason tatum problem in the least for sure but i i do agree and i think when things start to go poorly he can revert to some of his old bad habits which is the iso ball which is i'm gonna go get a bucket on this possession i'm not gonna you know swing the ball and let the offense happen and let other guys make make things happen um so i i do think there's there's absolutely some truth to that. And I think the Celtics have probably gotten a lesson this year and the kind of team they need, need to build around Tatum and Brown. Like those guys aren't great ball movers. They aren't great, like huge like Jalen can be sometimes, but Tatum isn't like an energy guy by himself. You know, like he's not going to come in and be like Mr. hundred miles per hour all the time. Like he's not going to be like KG where he sets the tone for your team, that tone of intensity and everything like that. So I think the Celtics need to surround those guys with that. Like like Gordon Hayward, his ball movement was so important, not just because he was really good at it, but because like he supplied things that those guys didn't, and it mattered. And now we've seen the, in the void of that, that that has really hurt the Celtics. Jay, you said you, uh, after the Mavericks game, thought the Celtics may have stumbled on a formula for playing more successful basketball because I was at the game as well. I had to go and do my own personal vibe check of what was going on. And just this is all classic like Bill Simmons school of body language analysis, and it doesn't mean anything. But it just didn't feel like the Celtics were doing anything of value basically until – Marcus Smart got pissed off and started picking up Luka Doncic full court. And so if the answer is a pissed off Marcus Smart, I'm for it. But I'm curious to hear what you think the formula is. I just think like they have Fournier now, right? They already had four guards and wings that are very good at basketball. Use it. Use it. Launch a ton of threes. Space the court. Play fast. Play with pace. Play with energy. And I think 
you know, that happened when they were down and they went to Fournier at center, Brown at center, Tatum at center, Smart at center, whatever the fuck you want to say. And and it worked. And and they were all of a sudden moving the ball and all of a sudden, you know, out in transition, getting feeding each other for open shots. You if you play small and they're gonna be small, because even Fournier, even Tatum, like those guys aren't proper size power forwards. They're gonna be small. They have to pressure the ball like hell. They have to get out in transition. They have to move the ball and find open threes. We've seen them lean into the three-point shot over the last couple of weeks. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's just because they're like ISO step back threeing, which isn't as good. But I think play small, play skilled, and play fast. Like they have they haven't had that purpose offensively or defensively, obviously, this year. Um, but like now that they have extra talent and now that they're getting healthy on the wing. There's a formula there for them to be good, and it's sort of similar to the formula there was last season. Why isn't Tatum just our four? Like, he is not smaller than – what four is like, oh, Tatum can't guard him or vice versa. Like, he's going to get clamped up by us. He, every four in the league he's fine with. Yeah, but, like, I think the thing is when you have, like, Smart at two, Kemba at one, Tatum at four, then you're small at – a lot of positions you know it's not like is that a bad thing if you're trying to space the court and outrun teams yeah but the problem is like first of all when they've been injured most of the year For and, sure. and so like if they do if they did stay small they were like throwing jeff teague in there or throwing aaron neesmith out there and then you don't get all the benefits of being small because you're not just small but you're like not as skilled as you were before um i mean but, I yeah think we I saw think that now, like tatum at the four brown at the four do it space the court fine guys i think that's that's what they need to be and i think that's what stevens wants them to be i think that's what they're aiming to be it's just they haven't done it well, we all. saw that last night with uh when the mavericks went with kleber and porzingis uh they actually went with uh, jalen brown and then sometimes marcus smart trying to defend porzingis not like porzingis is the greatest uh post-up player in the league I, in fact i would argue he's not a good post-up player but his ability to kind of punish the the switches and like just he is seven feet tall, he can elbow uh, the great Mo Wagner in the face and get away with it. Um, but even then, like the pick and pop game, like the, they, how many open wide open threes did Porzingis get last night? It's just I just don't know what the solution is. Like Dorian Finney-Smith was knocked down three threes last night. It's, it does feel like there's a scheme or like a laziness on defense where the rotation is not there. If another team gets the ball into the paint, one guy will rotate, but then that next guy will not rotate. And it feels like other teams have the type of passing and ball movement um, that just kill the Celtics, especially in these last two games, the Pelicans and the Mavericks. And you just don't see the same thing necessarily on when the Celtics have the ball that being said the Celtics missed some wide open threes last night especially down the stretch I think Fournier missed a wide open one then Kemba missed a wide open one that would have cut it to five like they shot 47 threes last night I thought not like it wasn't all ISO step backs they got some pretty good looks they just didn't knock it down to loot like to only lose by five when the Mavericks shoot 48 percent from three and the Celtics shoot 23 percent you know me, Mr. Sports Positivity, and be like, that's pretty wild. But I just don't get how they turn from his, like, the last five years, the best three-point, sh- like, shooting defensive team in the league to, like, the last 25 games, teams are shooting close to 40% from three against them. They haven't played perimeter defense once this season. Once. Two, like, we're not talking advanced off-ball screens to free guys. Like, we're talking, like, Simply two passes, uh, that guy's wide open. Three. All season. I've never seen anything like it. it. I said this, I think it was on Clubhouse. Whatever you think like a Brad Stevens team is going to be preseason, he'll never hit that expectation. Good and bad. Like when they were supposed to win 65 games or whatever, uh, three, four years ago, they and then they didn't. <laughs> they, they beat the Pacers in the first round. Like, sick. That's not an accomplishment. Like, when they're supposed to be bad, like last year, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think Brad's capable of like 
keeping a team to expectations. And that's not on Brad, but he's the only, what are they at seven? I think they said 77 players is since he's been here. Like it's been a wild roster and not even like the last guy on the bench gets replaced. We're talking about like starting point guards. They've had six (laughs) different starting lineups in the past six games. Like even this week, it's been just wildly different and inconsistent, but you're right. They've been to the Eastern conference finals with like three different best players during his era. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that made the team so good last year is that someone would get into the paint and then would make a pass, and the team would be on a string flying around. That defense last year was yeah. flying around. This year, Jalen Brunson gets into the paint, and the team makes two passes, and there's a wide-open corner three. And I don't know what Brad does at that point because then it's like, do you take out Jalen Brown for not making that rotation? Do you take out Jason Tatum for missing that rotation? Then what? You have – Carson Edwards in the game, like you're, you're still trying to come back. And so I think this comes like we, I asked for uh, some listener questions before I knew uh, the Mick man was going to join us. But that was one of the questions is like, how do you evaluate Brad Stevens in terms of like his handling of this team? Cause what's he supposed to do in that situation when his star player, uh, and this is similar to what Danny Ainge is saying, when some of his star players are just not like communicating and not being on the same page. Well, part of a coach's job is to get star players on the same page. So saying that as like some excuse. How do you do it? How do you do it? Jalen Brown missed a rotation last night and gets, there's a wide open corner three. You like yank him from the game. I don't know. I I, I genuinely don't know what the answer is. I feel like, like a whole lot of things kind of deflated this team. And I, I, I'm not speaking right now from a place of like true knowledge, but just from from looking at afar and talking to some people and dealing with Zoom conferences and stuff like that, feels like this team like started off the season. They were eight and three. They were number one in the East, and then then Kemba came back and Kemba stunk for a little while, and then I think other guys on the team looked around and were like, you know what, like our supporting cast isn't very good. And I, I feel like everyone just kind of got deflated. And now it's like the frustrations have just kind of piled up. And this team has never really given itself a chance by just deciding, you know what? Fuck it. It doesn't matter that we don't have the greatest supporting cast in the world. It doesn't matter that Kemba was injured for a little while and guys have had COVID. And, like, let's just fucking play basketball. I, I watched the – for that that piece I wrote on the Celtics defense recently, I, I watched all of the second-chance points they've given up recently. And I swear to God, it's just big dudes, like, catching the ball and no one even tries to stop them. It's like like Moses Brown had 17 points and 19 rebounds <laughs> against the Celtics in the first half because literally Robert Williams was contesting shots and none of the wings on the Celtics even – tried to bother him on while he like walked into wide open dunks and layups and that that's the type of effort stuff that is just like how 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 and they are i think last in the league at like when a guy gets an offensive rebound they're last in the league at preventing that guy from scoring and it's like they need to be a team that that gang stops people and uses all their long arm perimeter athletes and like Long arms don't matter if you're not even fucking trying to block shots and impact the play. And that's just kind of how it's been for them this season. I think one thing, and I don't want to come off as like making excuses for the Celtics, because that's not what I'm trying to do. But to actually step back and look at this team, just especially their four best players over the last three years, they have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals almost every year. Then they play in that um, World Basketball Championship where they come in like seventh or whatever whatever it was. Like they were terrible. But it was Smart, Kemba, Tatum, and, and Jalen. So they don't really have an offseason then. Jalen makes his big jump, which confused me because he only had about two weeks of an offseason to do that. They play, they get into the COVID season, they come back. In between that break is 
all sorts of craziness throughout the country and Jalen Brown's leading this and he's not really taking a break. His mind is probably the most taxed it's ever been during this point in time. They come back, they go in the bubble. So that little break's not really an off season. They come into the bubble. They're in there. What third longest out of every team, fourth longest, like what they're in there longer than almost anyone. So they have the third shortest off season out of everyone. Again, like they truly have not had a real off season at really ever. Like since Tatum's fret, like was coming out of Duke, that's not a real off season. <laughs> like they, I think they're just fucking tired to be like quite, to put it as simply as possible. And then this season you bring in Teague and Tristan Teague's already gone. Tristan's on the Romeo permanent, never playing again, COVID plan. We've had the most players spend the most time on the COVID list. Like, the only thing I'm trying to avoid with this season at this point is making long-term domino effects based off this seat, like trading one of our two best players, which I do think is going to happen. I don't think it should happen based off this season. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if when people were trying to trade everyone, not everyone, but like smart or Jalen for Harden or Aaron Gordon, like, I didn't necessarily hate the idea of either of them in a vacuum, but if your whole reasoning is based off this season, when you see what they can do under normal circumstances, which should be happening next season, and these guys are still 24, 23, like we're not talking about contract years. We're not talking about the end of their careers. Like I get the need to rush it, but we just had both these guys make the all-star game together. And this season's like the fucking LeBron's hurt, like AD's hurt. Like this isn't a normal season. So the base, no one's having fun. League-wide, no one's having fun. If you see the Raptors like post-game, like Fred Van Vliet's just up there. It's almost sad looking at the quotes from the Raptors, man. It really is. And they're the other team beyond the Celtics that's been ravaged by COVID and injuries. And they have on top of it, they're living in Tampa Bay, which is not their home. And I I mean, but the Heat are also 24 and 24 and like no one's really having a great year, especially in the Eastern conference. And I I think the question, Oh, go ahead, Jay. I I don't think a lot of people realize like how difficult it is this year for players and, and coaches. Like it's not just that you come back and there's not a regular off season, but the Celtics have played basically as many road games as anyone. And on the road, you're not allowed outside of your hotel room. Like right. you, you can't even go and, and hang out with anyone. If you have friends in LA, you can't see them when you're on the road. If you have family somewhere, you can't see them. And so it's like, they literally have to stay in their hotel rooms and the toll mentally has to be enormous. And, and so that's on top of all this, this stuff, like you're not playing well, you're dealing with criticism from everywhere and and then you you're just going through so much extra stuff and obviously compared to a lot of stuff that's going on around the country that doesn't matter and obviously other teams are dealing with it too and they've done a better job handling it but i think like there's something real to the fact that this season is very different than than most seasons and it's been trying for a lot of teams and you, you see like like the heat have sucked the raptors are out of the play play in tournament race, never mind the playoff race. And it's just it has been a crazy year. And I do think it's it's wise to keep that in mind when you think about how shit everything's gone. I think the thing that's just very obvious is that you can't just flip a switch and have it be fun. Like and it doesn't seem like the Celtics are having much fun. And I don't know I think Marcus Smart said after the game, they just have to keep playing and hopefully like something they'll find something turn around. But there's no like way to kind of just completely turn it around. I think the thing that's interesting is what are the, I guess, short term effects of them struggling this much this season? Do they end up in a play in game? That was something that I did not want anything a part of. I think it's embarrassing to be in a play in game. If we, I've seen fans, especially after the game against the Mavericks, start embracing the idea of tanking. I just don't think that's the solution to uh, a, a team that is seemingly not have any fun. Just like, all right, we'd have no faith in you. Let's intentionally lose games. And also along those points, they pretty much need to sign Evan Fournier, re-sign Evan Fournier just because of like cap considerations. Like 
they have his bird rights. He's the only player they can really get to kind of extend him um, beyond the salary cap. And so I don't think it's a great signal to uh, trade for a guy and then immediately tank. They like, they have to keep trying, but I just don't know how they turn it around. And like, is it embarrassing to, to, to be in a playing tournament? Yes. But like, you got to do it if you're the seventh or eighth seed or God forbid, a nine, 10 seed. Would it be the worst thing to just like bring Jalen and Jason in for a, a closed door meeting with Danny Ainge? And he's just like, do you guys want the rest of the year off? Like we can blame COVID for you, Tatum, Jalen, uh, your knee has been acting up. Like we're just going to wreck, like you guys just need sleep. <laughs> you need human interaction. That's not just the people here. Uh, Kemba is going to play like once a week anyways. Uh, Marcus w- refuses to take time off. We're going to see what if Neesmith uh, can actually play. And you guys, uh, we're going to bring Cade in here. And we're going to be all set. Yeah. I mean, I, it's what I would do if I was the, like, controller in 2K. And it, it was with my Paul GM Pierce. mode. They yeah, did just, it with Paul Pierce, right? And and that worked out well. Um, you need to have Tatum and Jalen on board for such a decision. Yeah, that, like, it has a thousand to be. percent. That's the thing. Like, if if you would risk pissing them off by doing that, not worth it at all. Well, no, I, but, that's why I think you can't just do it behind there. Like, there's too much in sports in general. There's too much. Oh, I know what's best. I'm not going to tell anyone my fucking plan. Like, I think it has to be a true con- conspiring. They need to conspire to be all on the same page. Because you're right. If they're like, they could also take it, you know, like, oh, fuck you. We're actually going to go out and bust our ass right now. Or they could be like, fuck this organization. I demand a trade. Those are the three things that can come out of that. But I think if it's like, they might be like Tatum has talked as openly as any athlete in sports about the effects of COVID. Like he it could definitely use time to just sit and breathe. Jalen, like I said, I do think he's, I mean, he's my favorite human being alive, but I can't imagine his brain is not exhausted. Exhausted. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be. It and was then Kemba, Kemba, like time off didn't help him with the knee in the break last season, but he could use, you know, as much time to strengthen that knee as possible. Sit them all. Sit them all. Play Neesmith. Play Peyton. No, I I, I do think there could, like, there's something to that, um, and maybe it would help. But I also think, like like you said, the, the Fournier edition, he's got to see that, that he can be a part of this and that he, this is somewhere he wants to be long-term because if – if they don't resign for NEA, like not just that they wasted some picks to get him, but they they won't have cap space to go out and get somebody else. Can they? So, they can sign and trade him though, right? They and create another trade exception, folks. We have got talking points for another six months if they do that. Yeah, but but signing, yeah, we'll see. Those don't happen very often. I feel like, especially with older guys. It literally just happened with Hayward and Kemba and the like all of the free agents who have Kevin left. Durant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I think the, Rose here, the big question I think is Kemba Walker and and like I guess we're fast forwarding to the offseason now. Are you trying to move him because you don't want to pay thirty million dollars to a guy who can't play the second night of back to backs? It's just and can you even move him? Is he the right piece to kind of try and build around Tatum and Brown because he is a score first point guard and those two guys have emerged as your score first options? What what do you do with Kemba uh, in the offseason? Um, and is like because that's just a huge contract. It's an albatross of a contract. And that reminds me of a good question. Remind me to get to the bird question later when we this podcast really goes off the rails. A Larry Bird question or just like birds? Birds Bird. in general. Well, yeah, let's I just didn't not- anticipate basketball bird at all when he said that. <laughs> but what do you do with Kemba? Well, answer the Kemba question and then we'll get to the bird question. Like, I don't feel like Kemba's really been the problem. Like, yeah, when he came back from injury, he stunk. No doubt about it. P.U. Some of the worst basketballing I've seen. He's Outside of that, he's been exactly what he's been as the rest of his career like a little less explosive sure but yeah he's been going out getting 19 shooting threes uh fine from the free throw line like i i don't like the problem with the the perimeter defense that was fine with him a year ago isn't worse now because he's a half step slower 
You know what I mean? Like I have a hard time blaming Kemba. I also have a hard time seeing anyone in the world trading for him. However, I think it's important to always remember that sports money isn't real. Like the Charlotte Hornets signed Gordon Hayward. They signed and traded for him because Danny Ainge asked nicely, but they just signed him without any cap space and they just bought out Nick Batum. Like, don't feel bad for these owners. They can create caps. Uh, Pat Riley's created an entire legacy on saying fuck you to the salary cap. Like, it's not real. So if they wanted to just buy out Kemba and open up that money, they could do that. It would be a lot, but they could do that. Yeah, I, I there's definitely not a market for Kemba Walker right now. I no. think it would be a mistake to trade him right now for that reason. I'm open to the idea Delta could line up pieces that would fit next to Tatum and Brown better. But I just think that's going to be really tough to find given that the guy has no trade. Like, you're not going to trade Kemba and get back a better team. It's just not going to be what happened unless he rehabs his trade value a little bit or you add a lot of other pieces and, like, his contract is the key for salary matching in, like, some huge deal that also includes – however many picks, however many pick swaps, something like that. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm with Coley on this one. Like, Kemba isn't the, the issue here. He hasn't solved the issues, but nobody else has either. And I happen to think, like, if this team fixes itself, Kemba will be fine, and Kemba will be actually a pretty good fit next to Tatum and Brown because – he's okay with being a third option. Like he has made it abundantly clear that he doesn't care if other guys get shine. He, he prefers in some ways if other guys get shine. And I think that's very rare to find in a guy that's as talented as Kemba Walker, even Gordon Hayward, who kind of played that way. It obviously bugged him that he wasn't the guy in Boston and Kemba's there. And he's like, yeah, I want Tatum and Brown to do everything. And I just want to chip in. And so I think that mentality is rare. Um, and I think he brings the offense to life too. Like like Tatum and Brown, like they're they're ISO scorers. And that's that's awesome. It's cool, but also like it doesn't really like bring a lot of vibrancy to the other guys. And I think Kemba, the way he moves off ball, the way that he can crack into the lane when he's right, like he he changes things for them when he's healthy and and right and they need that customers are rushing to your store do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real pos you need shopify for retail shopify pos is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory shopify has everything you need to sell in person with shopify you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The thing that's frustrating is like, they, Cole, you're absolutely right. The salary cap is fake. Everything, like the money, like it shouldn't matter. 
that's why it's very frustrating to me, like the Daniel Tice trade, because that was purely a move to avoid the tax. And I don't know all the salary cap implications of being a repeater in tax. I think it just means the owners have to pay more money. And so you don't like Luke Cornett, bro. I love Luke Cornett. I will stay in Luke Cornett uh, till the day I die. And by that, I mean for the next two weeks until I get frustrated with his play. I just re- I'm a big fan of Daniel Tice, and it feels like they're trying to be competitive this year, but then they give up a guy who's just been nothing but good for them purely as a like a financial move. It feels like the everyone we've all turned, like, or at least like basketball Twitter has all turned into such like salary cap nerds that it's just like, oh well, yeah, it was it was avoiding the tax, and so that's the obvious move. Where it's just like, no, Wick Grosbeck and the owners of the Celtics can pay. They have ungodly sums of money. They can pay a little bit more if they want to keep Daniel Tice around. It's just they can, but if I'm looking at it, like if I were in their shoes and I haven't had like 17,000 people at 41 home games for two years now, uh, and do I want to pay the luxury tax for how this team's playing right now? For sure not. Yeah, I I would have made the same decision too. I would have been like, all we got to do is get rid of Tice? (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) I am slightly worried though that Wagner's not just here for salary cap purposes like extremely worried that he was brought here to play basketball and that I is terrifying that he got the start uh one just in replace of the late scratch of uh Robert Williams second Who I was more shocked started? Cornette? Luke Cornett the green hornet the yeah. guy who looks like a gazelle I mean start Grant Williams but then he got the start at the start of the third quarter when it was very obvious his first seven minutes did not go well. And to Mo Wagner's credit, he had like, what, one or two hustle plays? But like, I just don't know what the, what that he's a big screamer. was behind there. I swear. Oh, he's, he's a the white big Bobby time Portis. He is the white Bobby <laughs> Portis. Like, he will let I hope you Bobby know. Portis beat you up for that comparison. <laughs> he will let you know when, when things go well for him. He will let you know when he's mad. He's going to be out there screaming and hollering and saving the ball under his own bucket to Dallas Mavericks player for a wide open <laughs> shot. But no, I don't think either Wagner or Carnett will really have much of a role, if any, when the Celtics get healthy. Like when Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson are both healthy, there's very little chance in my eyes that Brad's going to be like, you know what? It's Mo Wagner time. And and maybe I'm we giving don't Brad too much credit, but but I don't think that will happen too often. What are the chances that Tristan Thompson comes back from COVID protocols, Romeo Langford escapes the Springfield mystery spot and has actually found and is able to play basketball, and this team, fully healthy, just like has a full complement of players, will forget that Kemba doesn't play back-to-back, what are the chances that this team strings together three weeks of basketball where they win two thirds of their game? Like they're still like the standing, the Charlotte Hornets are your four seed right now. And they're like, I think the uh, Celtics are only a couple games back. Like the East is not good. They're still able to string a couple games together and be avoid the play in tournament and actually maybe like be have home court advantage in the uh, first round. If they could just get their guys together, like what are the chances of them actually doing this? Or is it just like a lot a lost season at this point? I wouldn't be wildly shocked if they if like that's all they needed to focus was a deadline, like a, a finish line. I don't think it's crazy to assume that them just being on the road locked in hotel rooms for most of the season uh and then all of a sudden it's just like oh yeah regular playoffs like fans in the stands probably vaccinated by that point uh like i it wouldn't shock like that's the other point of this like they suck they're not fun to watch they haven't been fun really all season but like would i be shocked if they ended up in the eastern conference finals because they beat the hornets in a four or five and then they got philly in the second round like would that shock me no no it wouldn't do i expect it also no (laughs) That's the thing about this season, too, and why it's partly why it's so disappointing is because, like, I think the Nets are awesome. I think the Bucks with PJ Tucker have a better chance of playoff success than they have recently. But it's not like the Celtics would have no shot 
against Philly in a second round. Like it's they've they've they're the ones who have had the playoff success. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have already beaten Simmons and Embiid, and then they beat Embiid last year again. Um, so like if they just get it right, if they can just somehow solve that problem that popped up either in the Heat series or when OG and Anobi sank a dagger, then it, it like they could actually be okay. The starting lineup of Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams has never lost a playoff series. And so we sh- we could see what happens uh, moving is, forward. Is Brad going to start Robert Williams? When oh, just or not? Wagner. If he starts Wagner, I think there'll be actually people will be calling for his head. I wouldn't be shocked if he starts Tristan Thompson, but I feel like it would just be more of a move to uh, hope that Tristan Thompson doesn't complain about minutes and like you start Tristan Thompson and you finish with Robert Williams, but it would be a placate the vet we brought in type of move. Do you guys think that this year has caused Danny Ainge to like, and I know Coley doesn't want, overreactions from this year but I, I i do think it's kind of fair to look at this core and with kemba getting older and a little injured already um and like gordon hayward's not around anymore it is this team really like is the core of this team even at the level it needs to be to have any chance any real chance of a title over the next few years, or do they need to like really retool around those guys to have any shot? Cause I keep thinking back to the Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker team that Ainge inherited. And he was like, you know what? This team isn't good enough, man. Like we need to change a lot. And, and he, he considered like, like if they hadn't gotten the right opportunities to get Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, like there was a chance Paul Pierce was going to get moved. Dallas. Like, yeah, so so like he considered even a bigger overhaul than he ended up doing. And I have to think that at least part of him right now is wondering like what the hell he can do to change this thing. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Like yeah. I don't think I don't think Jalen's here next year. And it like I I'm dealing with it now because I'm not gonna deal with it well. Uh why Jalen? And what move would it be? Do you think if you had like if Danny Ainge was told like you can get a proven all star and a, it's Jalen like, for Beal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Like that, it trumps anyone else who's going to try. Like the uh, THT and fucking Schroeder aren't trumping Jalen in a trade. Like I don't care how much sway the Lakers have over the trade market. Like they don't have anything that can trump it. I don't even know who else. Like the the Heat. Who are the Heat? They refuse to trade Hero. So, like, who are they going to trade? Like, there's no one else really I think could beat Jalen Brown pretty much straight up. Like, they make similar money, so Jalen Brown not a lot more. And we know about – like, and there's no – I feel like there's a lot of people who probably want to create this rift between Jalen and Tatum. Like, there isn't. All the reports are they get along very swimmingly. Like, they are good friends. So, I don't even think it's about that. But I do think that Ainge looks at Tatum as his, like – golden goose like that's my guy that's the new pierce which he got that title the second he was drafted so i don't think like you could get more for tatum and i don't even know if that's fair because i think they're pretty on similar levels i know other people want to put this huge gap between them like they're pretty similar um but i do think he can go out and get beal which i think people would view as a bigger splash than it actually is just with jalen and then kind of use fournier as a sign and trade to get that third piece or even if he just held him for half a season and then made that trade. Yeah, to me, like their their absolute best path would be like if Bradley Beal decided, like James Harden did, not only do I want to get traded, but I want to go play with Jason Tatum, my close friend. Cause then the Celtics would have the leverage. And then it would be like with like Kemba Walker, Rob Williams, Marcus Smart, and bunch of picks for like brad beal and a bad contract or two would something like that work i don't know like probably but but we've seen like when players want to go somewhere it doesn't take much to get them 
the Rockets just somehow traded James Harden and came away with like fucking nothing, man. Nothing. Like, that literally. was also blame them for being like, we don't want Karis Levert. And yeah, like, but even Karis Levert is like, he's true, good. Yeah, I, I like Karis Levert, but it's not like Karis Levert is like some franchise altering talent. And so, so when you have leverage and when a guy wants to go somewhere, you can make things happen. So we'll see. And then the That'd other be part of it is I've just never seen an NBA star say out loud, like, get me to Boston. Yeah. It's a valid point. Uh, people want to go to New York, Los Angeles, Miami. I don't know if Boston's the, a great destination, although they did sign Al Horford once. So they did. They did, and they signed Hayward uh, after years of implanting Brad Stevens' relationship with the and middle they, schooler. They signed Tristan Thompson. <laughs> they did, yes. That's worked out well so far. Um, I Brad Beals kind of put himself in a, a tough spot too because he's been like a Lillard. Like oh, I want to. I don't think he can out loud say get me to Boston because of how much he's talked like, no, no, I'm going to tough it out here. Like he could tell Tatum like, yeah, I'd love to play with you, but I don't think he can force the wizards to do that. Yeah. And and I agree. Yeah. I'd prefer to have the three of them. That'd be sick. Yeah. That's the ideal leverage is you get under from Kemba's contract and you get Bradley Beal and uh, everything is Kumbaya again. The only other name I can think of is like potential star who is upset in their situation is Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, you said it. Who else am I? Who else am I going to say? Like it's, trading Jalen for Towns, I would take personally. Like that, I might like. I don't know what I would do. Like you're talking about my favorite prospect ever, and Jalen, who's just my favorite baby. Like I couldn't. I I didn't do anything to deserve that. Is what I'm saying. It's not about what to, it deserves. Got nothing to do with it, Coley. I mean, it's just the circumstances we've been dealt. Uh, not we. I mean, we're not the uh, the Celtics. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. I did promise we would get an absurd bird question, so we'll do that before finishing off with the world famous potable six pack. This question's from at Yabu Do, who I think is a combination of former strength and conditioning coach Brian Do and Gershon Yabusele. If you were to describe the Celtics season as a species of bird. What would you choose and why? Jay, I'm going to go to you first as the resident ornithologist. You Is that the actual word? Did you actually know ornithologist or did you look that up? Jay, I'm a, a, I'm a learned individual. I have multiple degrees. Uh, I will be attending law school next year. I know what an ornithologist is. Okay, well, I am not an ornithologist. <laughs> and I don't even know species of motherfucking birds. Just tell me a bird type. They're seagulls, I know man. Got like they're just eighteen. They're seagulls. They're they're just flying around, ruining shit. They're picking <laughs> picking your sandwich out of your fucking hands. They're shitting all over the place. They're they are seagulls, man. They are the that's just what they are. They're they're ruining people's vibes. Not only their own <laughs> vibes. They're they're ruining an entire city's vibes by themselves. Fucking seagulls, man. Coley, um, do you have a bird in mind? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, with the Shoebill Stork. Now, the Shoebill <laughs> Stork, uh, I know Jay doesn't understand. Uh, <laughs> it's the most horrifying stork. looking bird you've ever seen. Uh, it doesn't Google like it right now. It doesn't caw like a, a traditional uh, parakeet or anything like this. It The sound it makes sounds like a machine gun. Like gunning down uh, innocent. Yeah, that is a right. frightening fucking stork. It's like four feet tall too. Like it is not a small bird. Um, it it has an evil stare, but you can't take your eyes off of it. Like you you know you don't want to look at it, but you keep looking at it, and then nothing good comes from it. That's the Celtics team. Like I keep watching games, expecting it to be a better bird, and it's not. It's just not a good bird. <laughs> I would have to agree. It's a great pick. It's uh, you can't take your uh, eyes off of it, but it's just uh, it's atrocious and ugly. I'm going to go with a common Merriganser. Um, mm-hmm. It's a natural kind of mallard that's just very average in everything it does. It's just a it's a basic basic mallard. It's just it's nothing to write home about. 
it's just uh it's nothing nothing great about it and it's just never you you want it to be better but no it's just a common Merrigancer. and so um it's just a a, a blah uh seabird a, a waterfowl that is just not for me uh, especially this year and so coley i appreciate you um you know doing your homework coming prepared jay uh-huh. I would suggest doing some reading on uh, on what uh, some more common birds of New England. Just uh, get out there with your binoculars and um, you know what? Enjoy nature. You're not much of a nature guy, are you? I am not a nature guy. Are you a beer guy though? Yeah, of course. And if you had to pick one beer, I, uh, which would you pick uh, out night of all shift, the beers? Night shift brewery. Night shift any, brewery. That's any, anything from night shift brewery. Oh, that's a great pick. I think I would go with the Santilli IPA. One, because it's delicious. Two, because it sponsors the world-famous Potable Six Pack. That's right. It is time for the Six Pack where we draft the six. I guess we'll go with moments from the Mavericks game. Uh, the most important, most interesting, most anything that no, stuck out. No, we're not doing moments from that fucking game. We're, I got we're a going, whole list. I find. We're going full anything. season. But we're let me talk about – let me talk about the fine friends at Night Shift uh, who make a fantastic beer over in Everett. Uh, they deliver to all over the Boston area. You can get them pretty much anywhere on the East Coast. If you want to find out where you can get uh, Night Shift, go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder. That's nsbeer.co slash beer finder. Figure out how to get some Night Shift. Maybe if you're uh, in some pain uh, from just watching this Celtics season, you know, take the buzz, uh, take the buzz away, take the buzz away, take the, no, you're getting a buzz, drink the beer, you know, you'll feel better, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Clearly, I need to stop talking. Coley, yeah, you are That was the worst ad read of all time, but. I thought it was pretty good. I've enjoyed myself. Um, but Coley, you are the guest. First pick, I guess, just anything that's important to you about the Celtics season, no rules, most interesting thing, um. Have at it. Boy, I mean, you talk about a smorgasbord to pick from. Just so many high points and, and feel-good moments. It could be bad moments, too. It doesn't have to be a good one. Just something that made you feel. <laughs> <laughs> this hasn't been a, a season of feel. Oh, man. Just Rob. Robert Williams. The, I'm actually going to draft the lowest moment of the season, which was ESPN slash ABC bastardizing Time Lord. They like we haven't been able to have shit this year. They fucking took that from us too. That sucked harder than anything sucked all year. It it, it ruined the name. It, I, we don't we don't really call him Time Lord anymore because because they messed it up and we got official cease and desist from uh, the Riffs man. And so yeah, I think that's a pretty uh, wise they, first pick. They even ruined your whole pick because you were initially set to pick robert williams and right. like as a good thing and then you thought to that and you were like you know what fuck it i'm i'm picking something bad they they were <laughs> <laughs> it's the all like jalen's been outstanding tatum was really good then he got covid now he's just normal good but like rob's finally got his minutes he's finally fulfilled the prophecy as it were and he was dominating and then the the fucking mouse just decided, you know what? We're going to pretend like he has this nickname because he has a fine collection of clocks in his home. Like, get out of What are you doing? (laughs) They just didn't even do their research. It would be electric if he did have a a fine collection of clocks. So, like, he's just got (laughs) grandfather clocks, got got some some Rolexes everywhere. I kind of hope that he did start to build that after the Time Lord nickname. And now... He's just got clocks everywhere. He's a big clock guy. Yeah. Um, All right, Jay, you get the next pick. Whoo! I'm going to go with this is not a good moment. It's not even really much of a moment at all. I'm just going to go with fans ruthlessly booing the Celtics (laughs) at each of the first two games (laughs) that fans have been allowed to see. I knew it wasn't going to take long, but... When you're booing Evan Fournier after he's like 0 for 7 in his first game, just tone it down a little. You don't have to you don't have to make him so unwelcome right away. Um and then game 2, they fall down to the Mavericks and 
the boo birds were out. And I, I kind of appreciate it because this has been a, a trying season. But it also it gives me joy to hear the boos. It gives me pain to hear the boos. It's there's just it makes you feel though, and that's that's what's most important in this potable six pack. <laughs> this is the potable six pack of feelings. I I, I like that. Um, something that brought me joy was I did go to the game uh, yesterday against the Mavericks. And I showed up uh, very early just because uh, I don't have much of a life and needed to get out of the house. But one of the privileges of that was watching the third team. I think it was. Tremont Edward, Tremont, Carson Edwards, Luke Cornett, Taco, and uh, Neesmith just practice zone defense against the coaches. But one of those coaches is Evan Turner, and Evan Turner was just cooking them. Like, they just couldn't make a decision about, like, when to switch into zone, and E.T. was just picking them apart, and that was just fantastic. I think one of the major disappointments of this season is that Evan Turner has – he's been part of the staff, but he's not been – out in front of uh and we've not gotten enough interaction with Evan Turner. I think if like reporters were able to go to the games and like we get so many more great Evan Turner moments. Um Jake Fisher, uh, used to be a reporter for SI is coming out with a book uh just about I guess the league over the last 10 years and he had like those old Celtics teams used to have a thing called ET Wednesdays where the entire team would go over to Evan Turner's house and just hang out and Evan Turner would hold court, and he was the guy who basically like was responsible for the fun of like the Isaiah Kelly Olynyk Crowder teams. And so I just have all this nostalgia for Evan Turner, and so it's great to see him just cook Luke Cornett uh, time and time again, and just dominate Carson Edwards. Um, the good thing about the Fournier acquisition is that Evan Turner is no longer the Celtics' best backup wing. I think <laughs> for the first forty some odd games of this season. He probably was, which is I, that. I don't think Fournier has taken that title from him yet, honestly. <laughs> He's the second best Evan on the team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, for my second pick, uh, and this is a trend I noticed last night, and I think it's a little bit disturbing. Ju- January 6th, a Wednesday. Ah, boy. The Celtics beat the Miami Heat. What else happened on January 6th, 2021? An insurrection of the Capitol where uh, some terrorists stormed the Capitol, went into uh, Nancy Pelosi's office, did everything they did after the Trump rally. There have been eight Celtics games on Wednesdays since then, and they have lost all eight. Not a Wednesday team. This is not not a Wednesday Wednesday team. team. They have not won a game on a Wednesday since the insurrection. I don't know what to make of that, but I know it's something. I know there's something there, and I just – it's all I'm doing is connecting the dots, and it seems pretty obvious there's like a QAnon-based conspiracy. Wow, the vibes are so bad with this team, and it's got something to do – just Wednesdays are bad – and it's also kind of funny because Danny Ainge has – And Wednesdays used to be Evan Turner night. So that's – Connecting That's more double, dots. A lot of, a lot of dots here. And Danny Ainge has to go on Toucher and Rich every Thursday morning. And so for eight mornings in a, or eight weeks in a row, it's been after a Celtics loss. So there's some some joy in that. But it's just wild that they have not won on a Wednesday since January 6th. I'm going to select my honorable mention pick first, which is that I shamed Packard into taking his hat off tonight. He he was going to wear a hat because he doesn't like the new haircut, and and instead it looks fine. I'm not gonna lie, but he was very insecure. I tried to tell him it was shitty for a while, but I'll I'll, I'll be a nice guy. It doesn't look too too bad. My real <laughs> my real pick is man. I, I'm gonna pick just the hatred from fans on Twitter. The it's not enough for fans to be irritated and pissed off and and just genuinely disgusted. They they want you to feel pissed off and angry and generally disgusted. And and when one of my tweets doesn't show as much disgust as people want, I people just come at my neck. And I, it gives me joy because <laughs> 
because it just cracks me up, but also it's like it's kind of sad. It's so sad. The lack of compassion, like like you would think after a global pandemic where it's just been shitty for over a year that people would have more compassion for the human experience. Oh, no. But it feels like it's gotten Ro- the absolute Ro- other direction. Romeo was out for two weeks because he contracted a deadly virus. The the deadliest virus we've seen in this country in a long time, maybe ever. I don't know the stats. And people are like, that motherfucker. Like he he's not playing that that motherfucker. He'll never play again for the Celtics. It's like guys, <laughs> he contracted a deadly virus. I, he's had some very very bad luck. This is not the time to like light him up as a person. He just got sick, guys. That's all I got. I also don't know if because he was out beforehand, like if. I don't know what the Celtics level of responsibility is for like constant Romeo updates, but it does feel like they keep it pretty in the dark with him. Yeah. yeah. So, so he was just out for so long right. that, that we never asked about him. Like we knew he was going to be out for however many months. So for so sure. That, yeah. That's, that's what I mean. That's, that's where I don't know. Like, yeah, you can't just add, like you can't write about Romeo when he's not doing anything and he had the surgery and it's year two. He's never had a real off season, his whole career. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's had an off season, his entire career. Also true, but he's <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I can't, it was Marcus smart. That made me really realize like the difference between an off season and a rehab off season. Like Marcus for what felt like every year of his career was always spending an off season recovering from a surgery of some sort, whether he punched something or he just got hurt diving through something like he was always rehabbing instead of just, and then there was a noticeable difference when he had a real off season, what kind of like he finally developed. That's where it's like, I don't know where Romeo could have possibly added anything to his game since the last time we saw him on a court. He's been hurt the whole time. And then he can't do anything for two weeks because his jelly legs. he's yeah. not allowed. Like, it's going to be a while. <laughs> jelly legs. <laughs> I enjoyed that term, too. Jelly legs. That was great. I know did, did, you, did you guys see the video of Romeo in his workout, like, that first day back? The grainy footage from, like, across the court? It, 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 was, the most, it was the most relatable thing I've ever seen. Like, just <laughs> some dude off the couch for three weeks been sick for a while hasn't worked out even in the slightest and just gets out there and he was just gassed he was so gassed and it was so relatable because it's like yeah that's how i feel every single time i get on a basketball court too my professional athletes don't normally feel like that but covid will will impact you i feel like that my family is all vaccinated now so i've made the i've gone back to play pickup and i am awful I am the worst player on the court, and it's purely just because I'm not in shape. And I'm playing yeah, with dudes it. who that's, have that's the only reason. been playing, just running wing sprints this entire pandemic. It's like these guys are flying up and down the court, and I can't do anything. And, Jay, I will not talk shit from you because the last time we played basketball, you dribbled out and uh, missed the game-winning shot because of a shot clock I didn't, violation. I didn't, miss, I didn't miss any game-winning shot. They Fine. put on a shot clock that wasn't on the entire game. Because it was 50 seconds left and you were trying to dribble out for last shot. Spirit of the game you can't violation. Just, you can't just put on a shot clock out of nowhere when it's it's not on the entire game. Of they course did. I'm not going to know the shot clock was Of on. course I'm gonna not going to notice the giant flashing red numbers that appear before me. It's just poor awareness from you, Jay King. I will take you one-on-one any day of the week. I know you're vaccinated now. Let's go. Yeah, that's a bad decision for you, but we'll do it. <laughs> It'd be good content. I don't know. It's entertaining. I like playing basketball. It would be good content. I would watch that. Coley, you got one pick, I think. Yeah, I do. Um, <clears throat> I haven't read too much into it, but I feel like both me – aligning myself with Marcus is always a good thing, but I feel like both me and Marcus are the only two people on the planet right about this. He needed to throw that ball full court. <laughs> he had to. But that was the only play there. The people who were like – he did something wrong there. You're all wrong. The Orlando, or no, the who the fuck was that game? The Pelicans. Pelicans. Intentionally, like, who do we have jumped that? Pritchard or it was or Pritchard? Pritchard? Yeah, Pritchard won that jump ball because the Pelicans conceded because they knew there was only point three on the clock. Marcus took it, threw it uh, through the end zone, 
That was the only play. The shot clock would not have reset. That would have the refs weren't going to get that right, even if that was the correct situation. But me, Marcus, and the entire New Orleans Pelicans organization are on the same page here. That was the correct play. Shouldn't it have reset though as soon as the Celtics got possession? Isn't that how like I agree the with clock you. went off when the Celtics got possession, so it didn't. That's a fair point. I like this revisiting of the issue. I thought is that one of the I think it's a top five most hilarious moments in Marcus Smart's career. Um, number one being when he tricked James Harden into all of those offensive fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, that was unmatched. That's a bold take, Coley, that I Marcus made the right choice. I think I'm, I had some galaxy brain thinking right there that I'm just not even ready to process right now. If the shot clock weren't supposed to go off, the second we won the jump ball, it would have reset. It wouldn't have gone off. Like, you can listen to it. The horn goes off. It expires. Like, the the shot clock operator and the Pelicans both were on the Marcus's side here that he had to do that. That's some wild Just, stuff there. I, I'm I'm floored right now. Just <laughs> if there's a jump ball, do they reset the shot? Like, shouldn't they just reset it to 14? Like, isn't it a new thing? I don't know. We need, we need to go to Secaucus to come in and uh, get Steve Jabby <laughs> to come in and lie to us about why the referees are correct. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm baffled. We're all baffled right <laughs> no now. No words great, at this date. This is a great way to end the show. This is why we have you on, Coley, for your outside of the box thinking. And uh, we appreciate you uh, having a, or appreciate you coming onto the pod. We appreciate the listeners out there. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please listen and subscribe. Uh, also, I'm going to give a quick plug for a new podcast project that I'm working Ooh. on with uh, Coley's old friend, uh, Trill Withers, new podcast called Not Here to Argue. I'm have the uh, fortunate uh, I will be producing that podcast comes out next week. So subscribe to that. Help me out. Uh, and thank you guys for listening to this episode of. And I think it's